Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the bi-weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. So my guest today is John Noble Massey, and we're very excited to have you here. It's our pleasure to have you on the show. I want to say welcome right off the bat, and thank you for coming on the show. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Colin. It's, uh, we've been knowing each other a while now, and this is just a great opportunity to connect reconnect with you and also connect with some of your listeners. Yeah, this is fun. I'm glad we, we, we could carve out the time for us to, to do this and have this chat about, because I know you're going to have some culinary school stories. You also have a very unique perspective, I think, because not only were you a student, but you've taught in you know a few different schools. So you'll be able to give us that perspective as well. But I'd like to start right out with kind of school what what made you go i mean i know your dad is a very well-known chef in the industry and was he a driving force that got you to go to school or you chose it on your own tell us how that materialized yeah i i I think well i had a natural affinity for cooking at a very early age i was cooking with my dad for years at started off at summer camp he ran the food service at a summer camp up in upstate New York, Point of Pines Camp for Girls, 300 girls. Uh, So imagine cooking for those campers three meals a day. Uh, He was the executive chef. And and when I was really young, I was going to camp at the neighboring boys camp. And when I turned 13, he had the great opportunity to say, hey, John, why don't you come over and work as the assistant to the assistant baker? And the assistant, the assistant baker, as you might imagine, uh, did very little baking and a whole lot of pot washing and muffin tins and cake tins. So that kind of indoctrinated me into the, into the business. Um, but at the same time, my dad said, you know, if you want to do something else, by all means, do something else. If you're fine that your passion is still with culinary, then, then pursue that. If you don't, uh, pursue that, then it's an incredible life skill and you won't regret going to culinary school. So he kind of nudged me in that direction, but by no means uh, pushed or forced me to, to do that. It was something that I had a, a lot of passion for from a very early age and that he just reinforced. He gave you the out if you wanted it, but was hoping that you would. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I know he, I, I know he, he, he was, uh, is, and was proud of me uh, for that. Now you went to the Culinary Institute of American Hyde Park. Did you look at any other schools first or was that it? That was the one you were going to go to? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when you're, I also had the benefit of my father obviously being associated with the school when he passed. He was associated with the school for 50 years, but at the time he was a director of education and, and, children of faculty had free tuition. So uh, there was no other school that I considered <laughs> or even looked many at. Reasons. <laughs> For many reasons, including it was a half mile from my house and, you know, wa- you know, our, you and I are of the, the generation where 
maybe our parents said, well, we walked to school, yeah. you know, three miles and 10 feet of snow. snow. Well, I, I genuinely walked a half a mile, a half a mile, uh, in snow sometimes to my first year of culinary school. So had you been to the school or been on the campus before you enrolled or was that that first day, the first day? Oh, I, I, ha- I have you talk about stories. I could spend the whole hour talking about stories of me going to uh, the, the campus, uh, either on my own or visiting with my dad, t- taking friends to some of the school's on-site restaurants. One of my best friends, Ron Hicks, and I used to go over and as students, you're required to cook in the restaurant classes. So as a high school student, I went over there with my friends and would enjoy some of that for lunch or dinner. And, and so I was very well acquainted and walking the halls of the school and, and being familiar with lots of the chefs there as well. Uh, I grew up around chefs, uh, many certified master chefs, actually sat in uh, over my dad's shoulder as he judged the certified master chef uh, competition awesome so it was uh it, I, I basically grew up at the school now did that put a different level of pressure on you since all the instructors knew you they knew your dad and you were there and did they have any you know more uh ex- expectations of you i think there was certainly a higher expectation of me there was I generally put the higher expectation on myself and, and I never, uh, the majority of the time at school, I felt nothing but warmth and that from the instructors. There was probably one or two that, that may have not personally liked my dad that I think maybe took things out on me. Um, but I, I don't, I don't focus on those. I focus on the, uh, on all the really awesome people that, uh, that my that know and love my dad and and that as a result of that it was it was a pleasure to have me in class and a pleasure to have them and teach me more formally than uh, what I had been already exposed to either on continuing education trips with my dad or volunteering for other chefs events that stuff kind of stuff. What was your best class and what was your worst? Oh goodness, uh, well, my best class is was American Regional Cuisine. That was taught by Chef Bill Reynolds. Uh, he was teaching, in a, obviously, a cuisine that you don't really become that familiar with all of the regional aspects. Or, you, or you're, you may be aware of some of them, like barbecue, but then all the other things that, that drove that. So he was the perfect balance for me at the time between an old-school formal chef and a, and a little bit newer mindset of teaching different styles and, and, and new techniques and, and things. And so I really loved uh, him as a, a, a teacher and then that, that class and the content. Uh, <laughs> the, the class that I liked least uh, would have to be a storeroom, uh, <laughs> you know, getting up at, uh, at, at that time. I got, uh, I was awakened by a clock radio and I had my clock radio set at whatever station it was for the, for the first day. I think you had to be in by, I want to say you had to be in by five. So I set my alarm at four o'clock and I slept through it because there's nothing but static on, 
Hudson Valley radio at, at four o'clock. So please, uh, you know, I, and, and if my students listen to this now, they'll, they'll recognize that I am a, a stickler for timeliness. And so I was probably guilty. I, I had perfect attendance at the school, but I was late that day. And, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of my class with that, that, that teacher and just, just was, I'd rather be cooking and happy stuff. Right. Storm, 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 storm while important purchasing and, and all, all, all of the specs for that. I did learn a lot in that class, but the professor himself was, was not good. Shall go unnamed. <laughs> you don't get to create. You don't get to eat. You probably don't. You know, have that freedom. It's a little bit more dry. So I can imagine. Absolutely. Yep. What advice would you give to someone wanting to or go to culinary school? Or you know, it's changed, but you have that perspective of modern culinary schools today. If someone came up to you, what what advice would you give them? What would you want them to know? Yeah, that 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 to me is so so important, Colin. I, I think. Be present, be present. It's so easy nowadays with technology and, and smartphones and that to not be present. And, but students are paying for an education. You're paying to go to that school to learn from that, that chef and instructor. There are things that they will teach in class that they'll teach either from a textbook or for them, for their own memory. But Chefs and instructors and professors are so inspired. The good ones, the good ones are really so inspired when they, they get asked thoughtful questions or someone has an interesting comment or poses something that, that is interesting and, and creates some conversation that, uh, that really helps learn. So be present, ask questions. Those are the kind of things that, that I'd recommend to any student, whether it be culinary or otherwise. Good, good. Do you think a student needs experience before culinary school? Is it just a good thing to have, or they could just come in without anything? Well, well when, I, when I went to CIA, they required two years of culinary experience. And my two years consisted of, I started culinary school when I was 17. I think I was the youngest entrant into the school because I, I had graduated high school a year early. But my two years was, was validated because I had from 13 to 17, I had all of that summer camp work experience. I'd worked in kitchens there and then, then catering. I think it's invaluable from the sense of getting an understanding of what the industry is, the, the being on your feet, the lack of nine to five schedule working holidays and weekends and long hours and and hard challenging times you think that challenges were significant before what we're experiencing now with this uh covid virus it's 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 significant and so so having experience allows you just to understand, is this something for me? And, and is this not something for me? And if you enjoy it, and if you have that little bit of nutty gene where you, you, you get really excited about that cooking and being in that environment, then, then absolutely, this is the industry for you. And if, if on the other hand, you, you experience, you have some experience and it may turn people away. 
It t- today seems like uh, some of the students get at least a lot of experience in, in maybe their high school, you know, their secondary schools yes. are in pro. So they're getting it, maybe not in the industry, but at least they're get over that shock value. They know what to expect when they kind of walk in. Yeah. I, I, I see some of the kitchens out there and some of the high schools and they're equipped like hotel kitchens. I actually helped uh, Miami beach uh, senior high with some consulting and help them develop a going from like a home ec homemaker kitchen to a professional kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that type of experiences is, is you're seeing more and more in high school. So that's kudos to them for doing it and setting it up. Yeah. So what is one common myth about culinary school that you want to debunk? Hmm. I'm not sure if it's, if it's a myth when I think about the perception of, of chefs, when I was growing up, you know, your first experience of seeing someone in, in culinary or that's serving you food is like the, the lunch, uh, the lunch ladies or the, the lunch men and women and the, in the school cafeteria when you're in grade school and that school food service is not necessarily the, or at least at the time was the best impression. I think school food service itself has changed significantly and improved in the going absolutely in the right direction in some of the, in some of the farm fresh foods that you're starting to see now and the changes, the, some of the diet programs that you'll see in, in schools. Uh, so that was my experience growing up. I think the experience of today's students, they see Food Network, and they see Emerald, and they see Giada, and they see all of these celebrity chefs. So the one thing that is a myth, or or at least a a misconception, is not everybody can be those folks. And if you go in with the expectation, I don't want to deter anybody from their aspirations, but there are a handful of those folks out there. And you absolutely need to be doing something cool and different and totally uh, unique to be afforded the opportunities that uh, Guy Fieri has or, or any of those folks that are actually on TV and doing that. And so they do us a service, those folks, for creating some positive image of, of chefs. But sometimes it sets a unreal expectation for students that come in thinking that they're all going to be that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think they get the idea that it's going to be quicker getting to wherever they yeah, want to yeah, go yeah. than it really is going to, it's going to take some time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I had a student ask me and they, they knew that, that I was uh, doing consulting and they said, chef, what, what, what can we, what can I do to uh, be a consultant? And my response was, well, spend 30 years in industry learning uh, all of the, <laughs> learning the hard way and all of the, the trips and falls along the way and learning from those. And then, then you'll be a much better consultant than you are fresh out of school. Yeah, now you have value for that client. You can say, these are the mistakes you don't want to make. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's transition into now the perspective of the teacher. Because we looked at it from a student and things have changed since you and I have been in culinary school. So now, you know, you've been, have the unique opportunity to teach in many different schools 
Um, maybe you could tell us what those schools were, and is there any difference between the education from these different schools, or maybe a different philosophy, or how they approach their culinary education for their students? Yeah, I, I think, well, Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale was my first teaching experience. Um, I have a lot of respect for for Jack Kane, who ran that program before it closed, uh, brought me on, really gave me my first start in teaching. And so I appreciate that opportunity. And I ran the school restaurant there, Chef's Palette, for like five years. It was an awesome opportunity where you got to teach students real life experiences, both front and back of the house, cooking and serving. And I got my first taste of teaching there. It was a very small school. We had one, two, three, uh, three kitchens and one bake shop. Okay. And so, so it was small, intimate. I, I knew lots of the, the students there. Still, I'm very connected with several of them that are out in the industry. Uh, also taught at Johnson & Wales uh, with, with you and mm -hmm. some of our colleagues over there. That was a great experience. Another great local school, uh, national reputation. I got to teach a wider variety of courses there. The students, in terms of diversity, very diverse campus, if I remember. And we had a lot of, and that, that creates for some really interesting discussion with students when you have international students or students from the Caribbean with local uh, Latin students and, and uh, just a, a good diversity mix. And, and really some of the classes there are, are, are some things that I'm trying to reinforce now at Florida International University where I currently teach. The, the third or, or the, the third school that I taught at before I became full-time at FIU was San Ignacio University over in Doral. And their, their headquarters is out of uh, South America, but they mandated all of their classes be taught in, in English. And so I got to expand my, uh, as much as they wanted classes taught in English, there's a, a predominantly Latin student there, as you'd, you'd expect. Mm -hmm. And so... The freedom that I was given by the program director was was very much appreciated in how I ran my classes and and uh, again it was a smaller school, smaller even smaller than the art institute, uh, but they also did some really nice things. So I I, I had all those great experiences before I started uh, Florida International University, where I've been teaching primarily culinary. Uh, and really enjoying those classes I teach at FIU right now. I teach an introductory class. I teach an advanced class, which runs a full-time uh, restaurant open to the public, and then international cuisine, a couple other classes as well. Great. Now, some of those were private, some are public, FIU, state school, uh, some were for-profit, at the time, and yes. you also had um, some of them were their major, correct? Was culinary, like at Johnson Wales and Art Institute. And now, I think right. there may be like uh, electives or one class as part of a different program. Do you see a difference in the students? I would guess, or maybe their drive or where their their career path will be heading. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I think at the Art Institute we were pure culinary. Uh, there was some baking and pastry. But the restaurant that I ran was mandatory for both baking and pastry and culinary. So, and we obviously served awesome desserts out of there. So it was a 
good experience all around. The students there, probably some of the hardest working, the larger percentage of those, those students worked and went to school at the same time. So they were juggling a whole bunch of, of things. So, but they were committed to food. In, at Johnson Wells, I was in the hospitality uh, school. And so there were some classes where I had culinary students in those classes, but it was primarily hospitality students that were, that were either graduated from culinary and had transitioned to hospitality as, as a next degree or were just sticking with hospitality purely. At San Ignacio, they started off having a culinary program, but, but it wasn't sustainable there. So that as well shifted to 100% hospitality. And I ended up actually teaching also a, a business, uh, business course there, which my background in, in operations was really advantageous to. At FIU, we have culinary classes as part of our core curriculum. So if you're doing anything in the world of hospitality, tourism, events management, food and beverage, it's mandatory unless you've been to a, a two-year culinary school that you come into my class. And the way I teach that class really focuses on their communication skills with professional chefs. Teaching or learning how to cook, I always feel is a byproduct of my class. They'll learn how to cook in that class, but primarily I want them to to communicate well with a chef like you or I that that has years and years and background and experience so they can talk intelligently, set high expectations and and make thoughtful suggestions to, to dishes. I think this needs to be garnished differently. I, what if we plated it this way? What if we use this standard of ingredient versus this standard? Uh, we're currently using like canned Parmesan craft in a, in, a, in a jar. What if we were to get some fresh Parmesan or Reggiano, market it and, and, sh- and shave it for the guest table side? Those are the kind of things that I'd love for my students as managers to be talking with chefs about and push the envelope quality wise. Awesome. Yeah, it's very interesting to see it. They don't have to be experts, but they have to be uh, know enough to be able to associate with the kitchen, the back of the house, and be able to manage That's that. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, FIU is famous and well known for working with the South Beach food and wine. And that's just an opportunity that's just you know, really awesome for the students to get out there and see the celebrities, but also see how to put on these events. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit and how that, you know, extracurricular type stuff, it, it helps out in the curriculum, helps in the, in the students' learning. Absolutely. It is our premier signature event for the school and gener- has generated over $30 million in student scholarships put on by Southern Glazer Wine and Spirits in cooperation with the school Food Network and Cooking Network. Uh, we have thousands of student volunteers over the years, and it reinforces our dean's drive to give students an experiential learning experience. They can learn all you can in a classroom from a textbook from a really awesome professor, a really awesome chef instructor, but unless they're out there dealing face-to-face with a a customer or dealing face-to-face working with a celebrity chef doing a festival like this that takes a lot of hours and to give students the experience to work at an event and not only a a, a just a general event but the the leading food and wine event in the U.S. uh, is is awesome. I started at FIU five years ago 
And so the faculty has been uh, charged with owning different events. Uh, myself, I own an event called the Best of the Best. So I'm very involved with the events team from Southern Glazer. We coordinate chefs, celebrity chefs local and coming in from out of town, providing them student volunteers, getting them set up. Uh, the best of the best takes place at the Fontainebleau over on the beach. So making sure that they've got everything that they possibly need to uh, put on an awesome food and wine experience. And so from an experience perspective, students that volunteer just get um, immeasurable amount of knowledge from, from that. And they get to work hand in hand with those stars, right? The Food Network people are there, right? So that just must be, yeah. you know, great for them, you know, to have their pictures and their autographs and you know, all that as part of their, their, their you know, yeah. uh, college ed experience. It's, it's hugely motivational. And not only have they, do they get the selfie with the celebrity chefs, some of those chefs actually go on to employ some of our, our graduates. One of our more significant successes is with Rachel Ray. One of our graduates is her vice president of operations for all of her, all of her products. Wow. And so, so that's a huge success and we've got plenty of others, but, but that is really one of the ones that uh, we can kind of hang our hat on and say, wow, this is, it's not just a window dressing people and the chefs that, that students work with and the different celebrities and that actually really love our students and they go on to hire them. Thinking about culinary school, from your perspective or our current for current students, um, would you do it again? Is it worth it? And the time, the money, the, the cost, uh, would you, would you do it for yourself personally? And well, yours was a little bit discounted because <laughs> your dad being yeah, faculty, yes. yeah, yeah. but if you had to pay yeah. or someone was going to go through that, how, how would you advise on that? Oh yeah. I, I, if, if I had to, even if I had to pay, it was the best two years of my life. It was the best two years of my life because imagine waking up every day and just going in and, and cooking and learning and it, that experience and working, I, I say working, but going to school o along with people that are, that share that same passion. And as a student, you have the pressure of grades, but you don't really have the pressure of uh, that 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 you have as an as a mature adult with either family responsibilities or I mean certainly some students have that I I don't I and those students I I have the utmost respect for if they if they're juggling those things mm -hmm. but but for 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 me it was the best two years of my life I, I I learned so much in going to culinary school what I would recommend is highly is is going on to get another degree. At the time, for me, I graduated culinary school and then I came down to FIU as a student. So I'm an alumni as well. Got my bachelor's in hospitality and then a master's in business. Uh, my mom would love for me to go to get my doctorate. And now that would come in pretty handy. But I, at the time I was like, mom, I want to go to work. <laughs> and, and so I didn't get the doctorate at that time. My, my dean is, uh, pushing me to do that. And I'm so never too late over the next, <laughs> over, the next over the next year. Yes. Over the next year, I'll, I'll more than likely get that started. Part of my self-improvement plan. Good, good. Who are the 
three people who have been the most influential to you. It could be professional, it could be personal, it could be alive, you know, dead, passed on. Who is the three most, if you had to pick three, most influential to you in your career, your personal life? Um, let's see. I, I guess two of them I worked with at, in my, where I spent the most, most of my work experience with. I spent 15 years with a company called the Compass Group. Uh, the first mentor, one of my first bosses that I had the utmost respect for, uh, uh, is still around, uh, Jim Callis out of uh, Chicago. And when he managed, he managed from a perspective of warmth and uh, demanded respect and, and had huge knowledge. Uh, what sticks out with him, with me was his annual uh, holiday Christmas parties at his home. So, and he lived in Kansas city at the time. So he flew all of the team in to Kansas city where, you know, really great, whatever you did the, the whole year, there was a time end of the year to celebrate and with great food and beverage at his home. So, so he connected with me on a professional basis, but more so on a personal basis. So personal and professional, that really was the first person that, that really connected with me like that. Uh, the second would be uh, another person I worked with at Compass Group, who was my, my boss. I, was, uh, I started off with Compass Group as a district manager and then moved on to a regional manager, regional director, a vice president of operations, then was a regional vice president. Before I was a regional vice president, I reported to the then regional vice president. His name was Rick Jacobs. He uh, was from the Netherlands uh, and just taught me so much about being a professional. I thought I was a good writer. I mean, we all think, you know, chefs and, and teachers and culinarians all think you're the best <laughs> at whatever. And the way he approached me and, and with my writing or how I manage people was, was so professional and thoughtful with a genuine interest in seeing me improve. I improved my writing. I improved my management style with him all while he had my utmost respect and, and as a friend. And so he's uh, still a very good friend today. And I, I actually visited him uh, over in uh, the, in Amsterdam oh, wow. uh, last, uh, last May. Um, so almost a year ago now. So it's great to have people that you connect with on as friends and, and, and mentors. Uh, so uh, the, the, the most important influence in my life is obviously my dad. He was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I consider myself very lucky. I had the privilege of judging a couple of competitions, Skills USA, and a few other ones with him um, here in Florida uh, years back. And he was uh, he was a teacher and a mentor and a professional all the way through. Yeah, I all the things that I, I, I had that I had shared about with my other mentors and that he was he was certainly the the best the best father I could ask for. He uh, I was so lucky that he. When he uh, suggested I teach, he suggested I teach as uh, as part time, and I said, you know, kind of gave me the same nudge in the same direction the way I he nudged me into into culinary school. He said, you know what, 
you, I, I was trying to start my own consulting company after I, I, I had left Compass Group. And he said, you know, John, why don't you give teaching a try? It's something to do and it, it'll occupy some of your time while you try to develop your business. And you can use, you know, the students that you meet, you can, they'll eventually be your clients. And, and so he always knew best. Uh, and then, and he got to see me teach and I, and teach and be successful at it. And that was, that was my greatest reward in seeing him, uh, happy that I was teaching, knew that I was, I was kind of set. Uh, my, one of the, the things that I always appreciated about my dad was he always made things easy. Uh, you have to find someone in your life that makes your life easy, either as a parent or a friend or a boss, a teacher, you know, whether it be through communication, a genuine interest in, in, in who you are and the success that you have, uh, the good people in your life make things easy. Sounds like he knew just how much leverage to apply to you as well. Like not push too hard, but knew just enough to. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those things, those, those things are great life lessons for me. Yeah. He gave me many of those. Let's talk about professional organizations. I know you're involved with the ACF. You're the, I think the president of the Broward chapter. How important is that for young people coming up through the ranks or culinary students to get involved in that? And what, what can organizations, you know, Cree or any of these other ones that are out there that can have an influence on a, on a student's career or their, their networking? Yeah, I, th I think those kind of things are, are absolutely essential if you want to distinguish yourself, right? And so if you've got, as a prospective employer, you're looking at the same way you know, you were in band or you did sports in high school. Uh, if you're graduating college and, and you're part of professional organizations and you're graduating a culinary school and you're part of a professional organization like the American Culinary Federation, the ACF, then that has more weight. And if two candidates are going for the same position, they're fairly equal, but one has... Uh, one is a member of the ACF. They've participated in some of their meetings. They talk about fundraisers or other events that they've done at the ACF, uh, while the other person has not. Then, then I think that that lends more employability to the person, as well as personal growth, because you learn a ton of stuff at good ACF meetings, and 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 we've been to meetings that are productive. There's some. May, may not be as productive as others, but ones that are really good, you know, inspire you. You're doing brewery tours. You're having uh, demonstrations of different things. You're going to uh, a, a bakery tour. You're, you're going to uh, one of the meetings that we had that was awesome was at Halpern's where they're showing you high quality meat fabrication and all of the fresh fish coming in. And, and so those kind of things should get people excited. And if you go to a meeting and you go to one of those really good meetings, then hopefully that excitement will translate into knowledge for yourself and then employability uh, or greater employability to a prospective employer. Just the people that are in attendance there. I mean, they have that opportunity to be sitting right next to an executive chef for, you know, the Breakers Hotel or something like that. And they have Absolutely. that opportunity. So I think there's value there as well. Yeah. Where do you see certification? 
I know many of these organizations have certification. It's a, it's a, it's a, maybe a dual or a, or a partnership with a degree. And, and is it important? And how, how would, how would you recommend or mentor somebody through that process? Yeah, I think, I think the, the ACF kind of struggles with certification. I, they are, they continue to update some of their guidelines for certification and, and I see tons of discussion on social media about the merits of someone going to get their certification. And, you know, 20 years ago, you know, if you were an executive chef at a hotel, that level of certification was pretty much almost mandatory that you needed to have some executive certified executive chef certification. Uh, Today's hotels, they, I would say that they're, they certainly it may carry more weight, but but it isn't as mandatory as it was. Certification certainly adds something, and I think they are uh, the ACF and national headquarters are really trying to work to make the process of getting certificate certified easier and while still maintaining a standard. So I would encourage anyone to, to, to pursue that just as I would encourage anybody to pursue uh, membership. And I think it's, I think it's important. How, what are your thoughts on apprenticeship? How does that compare? Does it, is it um, compared to culinary school or is it they go hand in hand or how do you see apprenticeship? I know that's was something from the, in the, in the past and it seems to be, it's uh, being renewed now, possibly trying to get started again. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, in general, there's a renewed interest in the trades, right? As we're seeing more technology-driven businesses and that, just someone that can cook you a decent meal and the, the trends are going towards more people dining away from home, uh, at least up until the, the challenges that we've had here. Uh, any vehicle that, that adds knowledge, including apprenticeship, is going to be helpful to your career and education. I'm not aware of any specific apprenticeship program that is local here that I could recommend. I know many classically trained chefs, senior chefs that were classically trained in apprentice programs in, in Europe. And I would love for you to interview some of those chefs and get some of their thoughts about what the difference is in apprentice programs that they experienced versus what great idea what what they did in culinary school here and and you know i've had to chew their ear a, a little bit myself but i you know growing growing up my, i was either in the middle of hudson valley new york there wasn't any apprenticeship program for 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 me as an opportunity it was not only because of the the, the relationship with the, the the school but i just wasn't aware of any and it wasn't part of my menu of selections that I potentially could have chosen. What do you think is the future of culinary school? Well, culinary school, the good ones are awesome, right? So I think there's room for, for really good culinary training across the board. The unfortunate thing is that some of them, some, of, some good ones have closed. I, the Art Institute closed just this past December or December ago. The Cordon Bleu closed. It creates better opportunity for the schools that are doing really well. The future of culinary, I, I really recommend, there was a, another really good professor that I had that 
taught me in the MBA program at FIU. And one of his things was stick to your knitting, <laughs> like, which me, you know, was his paraphrasing for saying, do what you do best and stick with that. And if you try to be all things to everybody, don't, don't do that because you aren't going to be nearly as successful. Like stay, so, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And, and so, so I, I, can, I can tell you that at Florida International University, we have culinary classes. I don't think we intend to have a full two-year culinary program, and I would never recommend that to the dean. You know, some the, you know, the culinary schools out there, the ones that are focused solely on culinary and just want to be the best culinary school in, in the planet, I think those will be successful. I think when I went to CIA, that's all they were focused on. Uh, they have expanded that program mightily. Uh, they've got bachelor's programs and graduate programs. And while those things may, may offer different selections to other people that may be looking for more, I always thought that my transition from CIA down to management school that, that focuses on the management school being the best was the best transition for me and the best training for me. What is uh, what is the advice that you would offer beyond culinary? You know, what's the what's the life lessons for happiness and success? Oh wow, um, I think self awareness is probably the most important, right? So know what makes you happy. I've had job opportunities outside of South Florida, and I haven't taken them because I just love South Florida. I moved out of South Florida one time to move up to Tampa for a job opportunity. I said. I spoke with my boss at the time and he offered me the opportunity. I said, I'll move up there to, to grow and to learn and to change, but I'm moving up there with the knowledge, please, the first opportunity you have, bring me back. And he said, I'm probably going to be with a different company at the time. I said, don't worry. Uh, I'll still, I'll still come work for you. And, uh, I was up in Tampa a, a year and a half. And then to the day uh, I got a, a voicemail from him saying, Hey, I have an opportunity for you in South Florida, come back. And so for me, the, my happiness, it, it was related to, you know, the, the tremendous diversity of food that we have down here. I had my friends down here, uh, the beach, you know, access to access to any live theater or show, and so those things were most important to me and my happiness. And so self-awareness, know what makes you happy, and then, then don't compromise on that above all else. Um, how do you make your culinary lab classroom experience different and geared more towards today's students? You know, today's students are a good bit different, right, with primarily the technology with smartphones. And so during lecture, you know, I require that they be put away, that I not see them unless I want them to look something up in class. I'll ask them to use their smartphone. Let's look up what's, you know, is beef consumption up or down this year? By how much? Please someone look that up and, and, and share with the rest of the class what that is. And so I'll use it as a tool in lecture. And then when it gets into the culinary portion of class, when it gets into the lab section, you know, again, I want them to Use it as a reference. If we're making strawberry shortcakes, they're more than welcome to Google what's the best strawberry shortcake presentation. I want them to follow my recipe, what, when they present it and how they present it, 
they should look for ideas. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, I want them to take a picture of it. I want them to take a picture of it because if in, in today's students, you know, if you don't have pictures of something that didn't, it didn't happen. And so I want them to take a picture of it. I, I want them to uh, tag me in their Instagram accounts. I want them to tag the school and the hospitality program so that they see what we're doing. And if they're proud of it, they're, you know, that's an awesome thing for a student. And they, they have a better experience as a result of it and something tangible. And so I think using that technology, the professors or instructors that, that they push it off entirely or think that, that no technology is the answer, that's not the answer. That's not the answer, particularly with today's students. You're, 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 you're fighting against a very strong headwind. And so use it to your advantage. Be creative and use it to your advantage and, and make sure that, that it's uh, supportive of what you're trying to teach. And I think I'm able to do that as a result of those, those things that I do. Yeah. It's a tool. If it fits the, if it's the right tool for the job, then, you know, use the technology. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand with, you mentioned earlier, social media. So are you encouraging the students to use that as well? Like, you know, you mentioned Instagram and posting those things and tagging. And that's kind of the modern day. Yeah. I think, I think when I first started out in my teaching career, years ago, I struggled with connecting with students either on Facebook or Instagram. I, I wanted to keep my, my private life private. And, and for, uh, for the, I did that for a couple of years and then, you know, students would be sending me requests to connect. And, and at, at a certain point I said, you know, let's embrace it. Let's embrace it. And, and by embracing it, uh, I think I've, I've, I've grown. I, I, I've got, I am focused differently on my Instagram account, which is very FIU food, food focused, uh, so that students just get a, a very good snapshot of what I'm doing food wise, what we're doing in the classroom, what the school is doing. So that is very specific branding focused towards the school and the food. And then I keep my Facebook more, more personal. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a that's a hundred percent representation of me personally, as opposed to Instagram, which I would encourage the the students to connect with and tag with, and and so there's nothing uh, nothing that I wouldn't want them to to, to mm-hmm. see there. Yeah, it's, I I agree. I think it's really important. We've actually added an, an elective class at Johns Wales that I teach media training for the culinary student, you know, the culinary professional. Oh. And it's to show them how Rabbles. to do blogs and podcasts and Instagram and, you know, all of those other, even YouTube, you know, so we're showing that there's, you know, if you're going to own a restaurant or a food truck or a bakery, you know, you need to get that word out. And this is a different type of advertising, marketing and branding of you and your business. That's wonderful. So is there a question I should have asked that I didn't? Is there any one thing that I uh, didn't ask you that you want to share any. No, I, I, I think we've covered a lot of, a lot of ground. I just, uh, I mean, for me, the transition from student culinary student, I, as I said, was the best two years of my life. And, and right now being afforded the opportunity to teach, I think is one of the most rewarding professions that you have. So in terms of those life lessons, do what you you love self-awareness, do what you love, and you'll never work another day in your life, right? So Yeah. Okay, before we wrap up the show, is there any last-minute uh, advice, anything you want to state to the 
students or future culinarians, future culinary students, anyone out there before we go? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, whenever I start uh, at the beginning of the semester in each of the classes, I, I say three things. I say, I want you to think. I want you to think really hard and think think me, think me, about wh- why you're here. Think about what I'm saying in class. And and hopefully I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to we're going to teach you some things that encourage you to think. I also want you to share, share questions with me, right? Uh, the idea of this being a two-way street when we're teaching is, is so important. And asking thoughtful questions. You asked me the, the advice of what I'd give to a prospective student. You know, ask questions, be present. And so sharing those questions is important. So, so think, share. And then lastly, and the most important, I think, in this business is to have some passion. Have some passion in anything and everything that you do. And that passion, you know, should make you happy. You should do things that make you happy. Do, do what excites you. And, and I think the people that are most successful in the business, in this business, in the business of culinary and the business of hospitality are the ones that are most passionate. So that's a great place to, to finish. Yeah. Life is short. Get in the game. Yes. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to thank you, John, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate your time, your insight, your honesty. Thanks again. And I, I really enjoyed our chat. So did I. I appreciate it very much, Tom. All righty. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know. And to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next culinary school story, take care and be well. Bye-bye.